Bibles, if you would, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter number 1. Ephesians in chapter number 1. I'm going to read another verse for you as well. I'll have you open there with me to Ephesians chapter number 1. And then I'll read to you from Revelation 4. Stand with me, please, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God, Ephesians and chapter number 1. I'm going to ask you to join me on three different verses. Thank you. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to ask you to join me on three different verses, all right? I'm going to ask you to join me on verse number 6 when we get there. I'm going to ask you to join me on verse number 12. Then I'm going to ask you to join me in conclusion on verse number 14, all right? And I'll pause and remind you when you're supposed to read out loud, all right? But if you'll follow me, beginning at verse number 3 with me, and then we'll pause and we'll read together verse 6 when we arrive there. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Together in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. So in verse number 4, the Bible said He hath chosen us. Verse 5. He has predestinated us, adopted us. And verse 6 says, to this end, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Verse 7 says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good Pleasure. Verse 11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His will. Together on verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So in verse number 4, He hath chosen us. Verse 5, predestinated us adopted us uh, for the good pleasure of His will. Why? To what end? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Verse 6, we're accepted, seven, redeemed and forgiven. Verse 9 speaks of the mystery of His will according to His pleasure. Verse 11 speaks again of our inheritance and that we have been predestined to a purpose and uh, uh, that purpose is after the counsel of His will. Well, what is that predestined purpose? Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Read verse 14 with me, please. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purpose possession unto the praise of of His glory. A lot of wonderful doctrines in this chapter. 
In chapter 4, verse 4, we're chosen. 5, predestined, adopted. Verse 6, why? To the praise of His glory. Verse 7, uh, we redeemed and forgiven. Verse 9 speaks of the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure. Verse 11 speaks of our inheritance and predestined to a special purpose after the counsel of His will, which is to be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13 speaks of the word of truth and of our salvation to those who believe and are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that gives us the earnest or the down payment on our eternal inheritance. And that is redemption purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Unto the praise of His glory. I read to you Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. You were made for this. You were made for this. Heavenly Father, thank You for the clarity of Your Word. It helps us to bring a temporary life into an eternal view. That living is more about eating and drinking and paying our bills and rearing a family. But there is some eternal purpose to praise and honor and glorify our Creator and our Redeemer. All these wonderful doctrines, Lord, that we explore and delve into through the Scriptures and most certainly do not fully understand until we see you face to face. Yet we believe them and we see their purpose to the praise of the glory of thy grace. Help us to see our eternal purpose in a clear way through thy word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. Cars were made to be driven. Fast. I mean, I'm sorry. Cars were made to be driven. When we, uh, about about five years ago, uh, many of you gave sacrificially, and we were able to purchase uh, a tour bus that's right across the way over the other lot over there uh, from Holiday Tours, and that's a, a great model, I understand. The Lord gave us a great bus, and uh, uh, it came, uh, they rotate them off the road at 20 years, and we bought it, and uh, uh, and so it's been very well maintained and run, and uh, uh, Donald can tell you all about it, but that particular motor is a great motor, and uh, that was the bus they would use to take the long if they had to haul the uh, uh, the military guys from Louisiana or wherever, that's the bus they would choose, even above some of the newer buses, and so the Lord blessed us with that, and uh, but one of the things that was discussed and the wisdom of whether or not to purchase a tour bus is this, was this question. Will you be able to drive it enough miles to keep it running well? Historically, uh, sometimes ministries, for example, and others as well, will buy a, a big bus like that. And those, those buses were not built to sit. Now, I'm not a mechanic, and I readily admit that. You know, I don't have to know everything. I just have to know somebody who knows. Amen. And uh, so I'm not a mechanic, and I don't pretend to be, but I know some. And this was part of the discussion. Pastor, will we, will we be able to put enough miles on this bus 
to keep it from breaking down. And that sort of seemed kind of strange to me to, until I understood and these men talked to me. said, Pastor, if you don't drive this bus, it's going to start breaking down. Now, it seemed like to me if you drive it, it'd break down. But they said, no, no, this bus was meant to be driven. It was built that way. That's what it was built for. And if this bus, Donald, am I telling the truth? If this bus sits, it decays. And it won't fulfill its purpose. Do you know what your knees were meant to do? They were meant to bend. Your elbows were meant to bend. My, you, you know, I, my, my elbow works good. You put a fork in my hand and my elbow just immediately, immediately, by second nature. And so if you have elbow problems, just grab a fork, amen, and that'll help. Therapy. I'm going to have some, a lot of therapy this week, amen. I'm planning my week out. And, uh, but uh, joints were made uh, to move. Hands were made uh, to clasp. A couple introductory thoughts. When we do not function... As God made us, we begin to actually lose our ability to function. When we do not function as God made us, we begin to actually lose our ability to function. That's what the mechanics are trying to tell me. It's a good deal, it's a good bus, but are you sure that we can put enough miles on it and keep it running so that it doesn't begin to break down, so it doesn't deteriorate? And um, d- deteriorate. And, and so, uh, uh, in other words, what they're saying is this bus was made to run. And you need to run it. If it's going to function re- well, if it's going to function properly, you need to run it. If you stop running it, it will begin to actually lose its ability uh, to run well. The longer you do not function as you were made to function, the harder it is to function. That's a lot of functions, isn't it? Let me say it again. The longer you do not function as you were made to function, the harder it is to function. I uh, We've got some medical folks in here and nurses and things like that. And uh, I learned something uh, uh, this, not, not that long ago, but <clears throat> I, if I understood right, if I... And if I if I if this is not correct, uh, don't don't correct me because everybody will think I'm right. Uh, but no, if you can correct me, please do. But I believe if you uh, if you had surgery, maybe you've been surprised at how quickly the doctor wants to get you up on your feet after you've had surgery. Uh, Miss Sharon Rona had both knees replaced this week, and you know. Uh, uh, you, if you lay after surgery, if you lay too long, you will very quickly begin to lose your mobility. Now, I understand. I haven't been there. But I've been beside a lot of folks who have been there. That that's probably the last thing you want to do is when you've had surgery and you've cut you open, as to get you up and moving. There's several reasons. Uh, uh, it has to do with circulation and air and things like that, but it has to do with getting your body moving because the longer you sit, it doesn't take long until you begin to lose muscle function, muscle memory, and other things where you actually begin to lose your function, your ability to be mobile. I remember... Take your Bibles to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. 
I'm going to read, a, in a moment, I'm going to read a, a rather lengthy passage to you. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, I think it'll be worth our time to read these verses together this morning. Isaiah 44. And hold your place there. We're going to begin in verse 9 in just a moment. But uh, quite a few years ago now, I guess probably uh, maybe 14, 13, 14, maybe 15 years ago now, I was visiting Dr. Ed Lorena in uh, the Philippines, just outside of Manila. And uh, uh, and one of those days, we went into the city, and it's a very modern city. Manila is a huge city, one of the largest cities in the world. We uh, uh, and uh, Mrs. Lorena was going to do some shopping, and so uh, we went into a mall, and I was I was with them, and I I just parked myself on a bench uh, near the opening near the front doors of the mall while uh, he and his wife went and did their shopping, and um, and I observed something that that broke my heart broke my heart. Uh, obviously, uh, the Philippines, Catholicism is a great stronghold in uh, the Philippines. And as I sat on that bench at the entrance of this very large mall in a very large city, there was a display as you walk in, probably as far as from me to the back door there, um, maybe maybe 40 feet or so from the entrance, 50 feet, something like that, from the entrance of that mall was a, a shrine, if you will, and a statue of Mary, and she's holding, uh, obviously, what's, uh, the infant Jesus in her arms. And, uh, and she has one hand outstretched and uh, the infant cradled in the arm. And, um, and I watched person after person after person after person come into that mall, reach up to that statue, take Mary by the hand, pray, and then go on about their business. And it broke my heart. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to jump up and say, She can't hear you! And if she does happen to be looking down from heaven at that particular moment, she would plead with you not to seek her as an intercessor. Do you, did you ever read Mary's prayer? She said, I, her, 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 her uh, song of rejoicing, she said, I rejoice in God my Savior. Guess who needs a Savior? Sinners need a Savior. Mary, by her own words, admitted her need of a Savior. Mary herself admitted herself to be a sinner in need of a Savior. You said, that's blasphemy. That doesn't fit with, my, with my, the traditions of my religion. Then you've got a choice to make. You can believe Mary's own words out of the Scripture, or you can believe the traditions that have been passed down to you. It's your choice. I choose to believe the Word of God. I choose to believe Mary's own words in God's Word. She said, He's my Savior. He saved me from my sins. When I saw that, I, I, I couldn't read anybody's mind, of course, but I just imagined they were praying to Mary as they've been taught to do. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 9. By the way, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful image. 
I mean, very well done. It was full color. It was a, it was a beautiful display as far as artistic beauty is concerned. Verse 9 says, They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witness they see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God or a molten graven image that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen that are of men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear, and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs, both worketh of the coals, and fashion it with the hammers, and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he's hungry, and his strength faileth. He drinketh no water, and is faint. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it with a line. He fitteth it with planes. And he marketh it with a compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He heweth him down cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash and the rain doth nourish it. He's talking about the people who craft and design the uh, artisans, the carpenters, the metal workers who fashion these idols that cannot see and cannot hear. The Bible said they will be ashamed. The verse 14, he heweth him down cedars. He, he, he finds the best wood. Taketh the cypress, the oak, which he strengthened for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash tree, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god, and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image, and filleth, uh, uh, falleth down there too. Look at me. He says, the man grows a tree, he wants a certain type of wood. The the, uh, uh, the rain nourish it, the tree comes to uh, uh, maturity. He cuts it down, he uses part of it to build his house, uses part of it to build a fire to keep his family warm, and takes another piece of it and carves out an idol. Verse number 16. He burneth part of it in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He, he has a barbecue. He roasteth roast and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and said, Aha, I am warned. I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a God. Even his graven image. He falleth down unto it and worshipeth it and prayeth unto it. And saith, Deliver me for thou art my God. They have not known nor understood, for he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart, neither is their knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue therefore an abomination? Idols are an abomination to God. Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree, a piece of wood? He feedeth on ashes, a deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lion by right? He doesn't see it. He cannot say. He cannot think. Oh, I took part of the tree, I cooked me a roast. I took part of the tree and made a fire to warm my family. I took another part and made me an idol. And he can't see how ridiculous this is. Verse 21, remember the... These, O Jacob and Israel, God's people, for thou art my servant, I formed, have formed thee. Nobody cut me out of a piece of tree. I formed thee. You didn't make me, I made you. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten to me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout! 
Ye lower parts of the earth, break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. What God is saying, you weren't made to cut out a tree into an idol. You were made to praise your Creator. You didn't make me. I made you. Break forth into singing. Lift your voice in praise. This is what you were made to do. Made for the praise of His glory. You were made for this. I remember sitting in a uh, firehouse sub sandwich shop. First time I went to a firehouse sub sandwich shop years ago. Michael Jackson had died. And they were broadcasting his funeral that day. And the preliminaries to the funeral were just a, a collection of videos and so forth of Michael Jackson. I was sitting in a firehouse sub with a pastor down there that I had was preaching with and 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 that was on the screen I, and for better or for worse it caught my attention. And they showed a video clip of Michael Jackson, not a performance, not a concert, just making a five-minute appearance on a stage. And the crowd, the space was not a, wasn't a large space, probably the size of this auditorium, but it was packed from the front to the back. And the, the stage, Michael Jackson, five minute, five minutes, walked out on stage. All he did was walk out on stage. There was no music. There was no introduction. He just walked out on stage. And the, thro- the, 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 the people thronged the platform. Security was holding them back from getting off the platform. And literally, the, they, they were reaching as far as they could over the platform to try to get as close as they could to touch him. And here's the thought that impressed upon my heart when I saw that scene. I said, what a shame. All of that adoration... All of that praise, all that desire is being given to a man. Whatever you think of the man is being given to a man and it belongs to the Creator. It belongs to no man. It belongs to God. And my heart was literally broken for the throngs of people as I watched them scream and cry aloud, reaching in adoration for a man. Can I tell you something? You were made to praise the Lord. You were made to glorify your Creator. You were made to bring Him honor and to bring Him glory. Now, maybe this Christianity thing, Christianity thing is new to you. Maybe Bible preaching like you're hearing this morning. You didn't, maybe you hadn't heard much of it. By the way, we don't just say we believe the Bible around here. We preach the Bible. We tell you what the Bible says. We don't just stand up and say, we believe and teach the Bible around here. No, we get it open and we read it together and we preach it and teach it. If it makes us comfortable, if it makes us happy, we teach and preach it. May I say, my dear friend, maybe you, maybe you don't know much about this. And maybe all this is new to you. All of us were brand new at one time, young in the Lord, those of us that are saved. 
We've all been young, little babes in Christ, designing the sincere miracle of the Word. But let me tell you something. The more you grow in the Christian life, the more you ought to understand what your function is. And that is that I was made to praise the Lord. I was made to glorify and honor Him. I was made to exalt Him. I was made not to get glory to myself, but glory unto Him. I grew up in a good Christian home. Got saved when I was eight years old. Surrendered my life, really, to do what I knew God already wanted me to do when I was 15. I went off to Bible college and God really began to work me over. And you know what? When I got off to Bible college, I came home that first semester, uh, first, my first summer after being in Bible college. Man, I was, I, I was pumped. Man, spiritually, God had worked on my heart and I was closer to the Lord, closer to the Lord I'd ever been. My dad got up and preached. The choir, the church choir sang. And you know what? The choir sang better than they ever sang before. It was amazing. The Sunday school lesson that day was better than I'd ever remembered it being in 18 years of being at home. My dad preached. He preached better than I ever. It's amazing how much better a preacher he had become over the last 12 months. You know what the difference was. The difference was my own heart. I never did this as a teenager. But I sat in church that morning. I said, amen. Dad preached. Amen. I was excited. Glory. Now, I, I'm, th- I'm thankful. I have no idea who it was. I'm glad I don't remember. But when the service was over, someone came up to me after the service. A, g- a gentleman in the church came up to me. He put his arm around me like this. He said, John, I heard you up there saying amen. He said, you'll get over that. Now, you listen to me. You listen to me. I got saved in 1979. If I got any math in me, that means 43 years ago. 43 years ago, I received Christ. How, when did you get saved? Uh, 33. I feel sorry for you, man. I got saved at 8. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I, how long have you been saved? How many years? Uh, nine years? I'll be switched if I let you be more excited about being saved for 9 years than I am being saved for 33, however many I said a while ago. <laughs> let me tell you, this I, listen, if you... If you've been saved 50 years, you ought to be the most excited in this room about being saved. Listen, listen. I, 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 my, my, uh, uh, my dad was prayed into ministry by his mother. I come from a godly heritage. Go back here to Emmett. Uh, Emmett had some godly influences in his life, but Emmett didn't grow up like He didn't grow up like I grew up. You don't have time to hear how he grew up. Amen. And we, we can't say all of it in public. But anyway... But can I tell you something? That man's excited about being saved. He often speaks to me and rejoices about, about, be, uh, about, about being born again and how God saved him and, and, and spared his life on more than one occasion to keep him alive so he could get saved. Now let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, I, listen, I'm glad I'm born again, but I'll be switched if I let a guy who God saved out, out of a rough life and, and cleaned him up and, that's, and, and saved his soul and on his way to heaven. Listen, I got, I got to grow up in church. I got to grow up in a Christian home and I'll be switched if I let any one of these guys be more excited about what God's done in my life than what God's done in their lives. Listen, if anybody ought to understand their purpose, it's someone who's been in the family of God for a while. And listen, if you, if you go out of it, bless, uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, uh, you need revival in your soul. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. I ought to be more grateful, more humble, rejoice more, and praise Him more because of what He's done in my life over the years. I was made for this. I was made for this. And so were you. How many of you are saved? Say, 
Amen? Or, amen. If you say, wiggle your nose. Or tap your foot or something. How many of you are born again? This is what you were made to do. We were made to praise Him. We were made for, the, for His good pleasure. And it pleases Him when His people lift their voices in song and rejoicing and gratitude. You listen to me. I got saved in 1979. Jesus Christ came into my heart and soul, washed my sins away, and put my name in the Lamb's book of life. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot go to hell. I cannot go to hell. I cannot go to hell. I'm on my way to heaven. Ben. Woo! That's enough to rejoice about for the next two, few centuries at least. Listen, my dear friend, you say, well, you know, I'm just not real emotional type. Uh, you better crank your engine and start running, or you're going to lose your ability to crank your engine. Do you hear me? We were made for this. We were made for this. The longer you do not function as you were made to function, the harder it's going to be. To get going. Let me give you four reasons why we don't fulfill our purpose. Why don't we praise and give thanks like we ought to? Well, and this is not all inclusive, but it'd be a pretty good start. Why don't we praise and give thanks? Well, number one, we're mad. We're just mad. You know, it's hard to say God is so good while you're ticked off. God is so good. It just doesn't work together. It doesn't work. We're angry. We're holding a grudge. Resentful. Unforgiving. Harsh. Bitter. Some of you were here quite a few years ago now, back in 2013, I think it was. A little, uh, coming up on 10 years. Wow. And uh, we had a meeting. Dr. Biddy Beckham was with us our dear friend, and um, he uh, was scheduled to preach for Sunday through Thursday. And uh, he came to preach, and uh, he wasn't scheduled to be at another place until Sunday. And uh, so I said, Dr. Beckham, would you, the the meeting, God was blessing, and the meeting, and and just working and moving in hearts, and folks were getting saved. I said, listen, you don't have to be anywhere until next Sunday. I said, would you stay and preach through the rest of the week for us? He said, sure. So we went on. and He came to me and he said, he said, Brother Shook, he said, he said, this, he said here's the craziest thing. He said, I, I'm scheduled to be at, a, at the church I'm supposed to be at. And, and I preach there, I think he said every year, year or every other year. He said, every year the pastor gets the uh, 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 ticket for me and sends me the information. And he said, I... I never even brought it up. That's what he's done year after year after year. I've been there time and time again. And he said, the pastor called me today and said, well, what, when are you landing? He said, well, well, I don't know. You didn't send me the information yet. He said, you mean you didn't get your own ticket? He said, no, I just assumed we'd do what we do every week. He said, well, I don't have a ticket for you. He said, well, I don't have a ticket either. <laughs> he said, so guess what? I don't have a place to preach Sunday. I said, stay and preach here on Sunday. And so he did. Sunday night, God was moving in such a way, and Sunday night, I was on my heart, and the service went late, went late. We were here till after 10 o'clock, and people getting saved, and the altars filled up, and so forth like that. God just worked in a sweet way. Sunday night, I thought, man, we can't stop this meeting. God is working. And so, I, about, about 
I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock or something like that. The men were back in the back, counting the offerings for the day, making the, getting ready to make the deposit at the bank. And um, I walked in there. I said, man, I want to ask you a question. One of them said, do you want to extend the meeting, Pastor? I said, you thinking that? Uh-huh. And everybody in the room said, that's what we've been thinking, Pastor. I said, man, I, 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 the Lord must be in it. I, said, I went to Brother Beckham. I said, Brother Beckham, I said, uh, you stay through you have to be at your next meeting, which we've been that week, and so we planned that week. We went through that week, and God was still working. I said, can you stay? And he called a pastor, several pastors, to whom we owe a great debt of gratitude, allowed Brother Beckham to be relinquished from his responsibilities there so he could stay because God was working. Long story short, in five weeks, we didn't get out of church probably till 10 o'clock or later for five weeks in a row, every night except Friday night. Seventy folks were saved, baptized, well over 300 decisions were made. Three families that were, were busted up. Husbands and wife took the rings off, put the rings back on, got their family back together. Many, many people got right with the Lord. Now, this is one of the most unusual things. I don't know if it's ever happened before. I, I don't I have no idea. But in that revival meeting, Brother Beckham preached the same message. At least, that I know of, at least 15 times. Now, I don't mean like you know, part two of the message or part three or four or five. I mean, how many of you here you say, and I'm telling the truth. I mean the same message 15 times. <laughs> now, if I tried to preach the same message twice, I'd lose my crowd about the third time and nobody would be here. Now, we heard that, Pastor. Let us know when you get a new one. But God worked and God blessed. Now, listen to me very carefully. Would you like to know what the subject matter of those 15 messages were? What are you mad about? What are you mad about? Night after night after night. Man, and, 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 and God's Spirit was, was there. And when he did ask that question, the Holy Spirit just like... And we would squirm. <laughs> and he'd say, what are you mad about? I remember a number of folks got right with the Lord. I remember one, one testimony that came, a, a lady in the congregation here, and she said, I want to get a testimony. She said, Pastor, she said, I can't sing. And I really don't sing because I can't sing. I can't carry a tune. She said, but you know what? I just, I want to sing. She said, I've been singing. And I don't even care if anybody hears me. I've been singing. And I love it. You see, do you know what you were made to do? You were made to sing and praise and bring honor and glory to God. You were made to do that. That's what you were made to do, my dear friend. Listen to what the Scripture says. Psalm seven seventeen. I will praise the Lord and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm twenty two twenty two. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? Psalm thirty three three. Sing unto him a new song. Uh, 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 Psalm thirty five verse eighteen. I will give thanks in the congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Uh, Psalm forty seven six. Sing praises unto God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. 
Psalm 57, 9. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Psalm 63, 4. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalm 81, 1. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Psalm 86, 12. I will praise thee, O Lord. And I've got a couple dozen more. I won't take time. I'm saying this is what you were made to do. This is what God put you here for. This is why God didn't take you to heaven right after you got saved. He left you here so you could bring praise and honor and glory. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Others will be saved if you'll fulfill your purpose. I ask you a question, what are you mad about? What are you mad about? Some of us are mad. We don't want any trials. We're mad when they come. And in our anger, we miss the purpose of our trials. We're mad because things didn't go our way. And why me? I've been trying to do right. Well, good night. I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord. First Peter 1, 7, The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't really know what it means. I just know it means you get to go fast. Somebody to have to explain the mechanics of me. Uh, no, not of me. Of it. This phrase. Uh, we need to blow the car- carburetor out. Alright. Any mechanics in here? And you know what that means? Blow the carburetor out? Okay. I don't know what it means, but I do know this. It means you get to go real fast. Is that right? Alright, I got that part. Amen. Now, hey, can you say, hey, listen. Uh, 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 a lot of Christians got their carburetor clogged. You got the carburetor clogged. And you're not running very well. And can I say something? You were made to praise. Uh, you need to blow the spiritual carburetor out. Amen? Amen? The trials are meant to be ultimately for the praise and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The heat is what purifies the gold. The furnace of affliction exposes the dross and burns away the impurities and beautifies that which is pure, allowing us to reflect the glory of God in our lives. But we don't praise. We don't fulfill our purpose. Why? We're mad. Number two, we're worried. We get our eyes on the circumstances rather than the God of the circumstance. Can I say something today? God is not fretting election results. Okay? God's not worried about election results. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and setteth up whomsoever he will. By the way, God's not, God's not fretting over the latest pandemic. Amen? Down in Egypt, in the book of Exodus, excuse me, Genesis chapter number 8, God's people were in Goshen, a few miles away in Egypt. Here come the flies. Nary one of them went over to Goshen. Over in chapter 9, verse 6, the animals all became diseased. A pestilence came. All the animals died over in Egypt. Not at one in Goshen. In chapter 9, verse 26, the hail came. The thunder came. And... Crops were destroyed. Not one drop of hail over in Goshen. Matthew Henry said this about that passage. God's people are thunderproof. Amen. In chapter 10, verse 23, there's thick darkness in Egypt over in Goshen. The light of day. In chapter 11, verse 7, the death angel comes to visit the homes of those who don't have the blood over here in Goshen, the blood on the doorpost. And God spared them. Listen, God isn't fretting. God isn't worried. God's not worried about the weather. God's not worried about the weather. I could tell you time and time again where God took His sovereign control. 
over things which you and I have no control. Oh, listen, that first Thanksgiving is a result of the prayers of God's people who prayed for crops that were just about gone. And God sent a gentle rain and restored those, those crops, giving them the first Thanksgiving. We were made for this. Why don't we praise and give thanks? We're mad. We're worried. Number three, we're selfish. We're selfish. You know why we don't praise the Lord, by and large? And this might be the biggest reason. Honestly, we just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I feel weird. That's awkward, Pastor. I just don't feel like it. Psalm 107, 8, 15, 21, and 31, all those verses say, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works among the children of men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Roy, back here is a mechanic. Roy, if an engine gets cold, should it never be cranked? How do you get it warm? Crank it? Huh. How about that? If your engine's cold, you got to crank it. He said, but it don't want to crank. It's cold. Crank it. Well, it whines. If you don't get that thing cranked, it ain't going anywhere. And if you don't, if you don't fulfill your uh, uh, purpose as a Christian, you'll get cold. You'll get indifferent. You, 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 you won't, you, listen, you won't enjoy the things of God. Oh, listen to me. Should a tired child never get out of bed? No amens, young people, no amens. Should a lazy hound dog never hunt? I was sitting at my study this morning down at my desk and I could see the back of the, our back field and property and so forth. We have two beagles. And literally, sometimes I pull up and I think, they're gone, they're dead. Especially the sunshine, they just laid out. I think, oh, my soul, move, please move. And they just lay out, they'd be dead. I call them, buddy, hot dog, nothing. And I get out, nudge him. This morning, he's sitting out there. All of a sudden, his tail goes. His nose went. And his head went. Now, they don't come out in the daytime. But evidently, they come out at night. And by the way, they know when hunting season starts. God is my witness. We pulled up about three weeks before hunting season started. And there was four or five right there in the backyard. I was like, guys, could you stay there a few weeks, please? And none of them did. But Buddy caught a whiff. And what Buddy was enjoying, he caught a whiff. And his nose was to the ground. Last thing I saw was a white tail somewhere in the woods. Why? That's what he was made to do. That's what he was made to do. Can I tell you something, my friend? Listen, you and I were made to praise the Lord. And you say, well, I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't. Listen, don't you believe that lie. Don't you believe that lie. That's what you were made to do. 
That's what you were made to do. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works among the children of men. What God commands us to do, He enables us to do. God says, believe. And He gives us Ephesians 2, 9, the faith to believe. God says, praise. And His Spirit empowers us to praise. God says, forgive. And He gives us the grace to forgive. God says, love. And He gives us the love to do, obey that command. God made us for the praise of His glory. But sadly, many will live their whole life or self, and never give God the glory and adoration He deserves. Not mad, not worried, or selfish, but blind. Many will not fulfill their purpose because they are indeed blind. Job twenty-two nineteen, the righteous see it and are glad. Psalm one hundred two, the righteous see it and rejoice. Jesus said in John chapter twelve. While you have light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. Therefore they could not believe because that, Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart. Listen, listen to me very carefully. You are alive and well. You're in this room. You're under the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity to seek Jesus Christ as your Savior. God is your creator. And you have an opportunity to believe the record that God gave of His Son in this book right here. You have the opportunity to open your heart to Jesus Christ and you can believe and you can be saved and spend the rest of your life and all of eternity fulfilling your purpose of praising and honoring and glorifying your Creator. Or you can choose not to believe. And in so doing, you're like the cold engine that never gets cranked until eventually you are blind. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27, 13. Let's do it carefully. I'll close with one story. The psalmist said, I had fainted. I would have quit. I'd have thrown in the towel unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. He didn't say, I saw the goodness and so I believed. He said, I believed it when I couldn't see it. I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My dear friend, listen. God is good. God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is loving. God is kind. The Bible said in the Gospel of Luke, He's kind to the unthankful and even to the evil. God is, is kind. God is gracious and merciful and long-suffering, patient and forgiving. He is good. He loves you. You say, well, I don't feel like He loves me. My life, Pastor, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't know where I came from. You don't know what I've been through. I'm telling you, listen, exercise the faith that God has given you and say, you know what? God is good. How could a, a father give his own son to die for someone? But that's what God did for me. Yes, God loved me. God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Listen, my friend, believe it. He says, but I don't feel like God loves me. I've never really experienced that. Believe it. Believe it to see it. Believe it to see it. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God doesn't deserve to be praised when you feel it. He deserves to be praised because He's good all the time. He's good all the time. He doesn't deserve to be praised because everything's going good in our life, going well in our life, circumstances are good in our life. He deserves to be praised because He is a loving, faithful, just, all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal, ever-present God who gave His own Son to die for us. And He deserves glory and honor for what He's done. You say, Pastor, I, I, 
I'm filled with doubt. My circumstances, I just don't know. You believe to see his goodness. You've heard the story, I'm sure. Most of you. I've told it before. Dave Reaver has gone across the country sharing his testimony. He joined the joined the uh, I think it was the Marines during the Vietnam War and um, uh, I'm sorry, joined the Navy and uh, during the Vietnam War and was on a riverboat on the Mekong Delta coming around a corner where in the days before they had been attacked several times and so coming to that hot spot he took a phosphorus hand grenade it burns white hot 5,000 degrees and he was going to toss it right at that point that jetted out into the river where they had taken fire and as they approached that spot with that hand grenade in his hand, he reached his right hand back to throw it. And a sniper's bullet cracked the air and hit the hand grenade in his hand. It exploded in his hand, burned off 60 pounds of flesh, burned off half of the skin on his body, blinded him in his right eye, His body was literally on fire. Impossible to survive. He was thrown off the boat into the river. In his last moments of life, he felt as though God was speaking to him and said to him, I want you to live. I want you to be a testimony for me. And after a few seconds of sinking down to that river, he was revived, started kicking his feet. Listen to this. He had two men in his barracks he'd witnessed to time and time again, vile, foul-mouthed, perverted, unbelievers, cursed and swore at God all the time. They were on that boat with him. God revived him under the water. He kicked his feet. When his head came up over the surface of the water, First words out of his mouth. God, I still believe in you. And one of his buddies that moment said, I believe in Jesus too. And gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ that very moment. Can I tell you something? God's good no matter how much turmoil is going on in this world. No matter how much much pain or sickness or death sin has heaped upon this world. God is still God and He is still good and He is still worthy and deserving of the praise of His people. And that's what you and I were made to do. Would you bow your heads please?